I'm George Lizos, spiritual teacher, psychic healer, and number one best-selling author. Growing up in a small and Christian community, I was judged and rejected for being gay and different. After a futile two-year attempt to change who I was born to be, I called myself a human abomination and almost took my own life. Fortunately, in my darkest moment, I saw the light and ventured on a healing journey of love, forgiveness, and spiritual awakening. Yet my dating life since hasn't always been all roses and rainbows, and my past dramas and traumas have definitely kept things spicy. Fast forward past many awkward dates and disappointing sex, I created Can't Host to challenge toxic gay stereotypes, explore the complex dynamics of gay sex and relationships, and create opportunities for healing and growth. If you're a gay guy seeking more joy, freedom, and authenticity in your sex, life, and relationships, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Can't Host Podcast. I'm George Lizos, your host, and I'm so excited and grateful to be here with you for another episode. I want to start by saying a huge thank you for all your love and support for the first episode. I received so many messages from people suggesting episodes, sharing their insights, and just giving me so much support for doing this. When I had the insight to start doing this podcast about gay sex and relationships, I had a hunch that there were other people like me out there who wanted a podcast about this kind of content, who were searching for it and couldn't find anything. So it was wonderful and a huge sigh of relief when I realized that I was indeed right and that you found value in the first episode and in the episodes to come. So this next episode will be a little bit steamy. Actually, it's going to be very steamy. So get ready. Today, we're chatting about the problem with the top bottom binary and whether these terms, these sexual labels are empowering or limiting our sexuality. In this episode, I have a guest with me, Sergio Zapata, who will be as well in the next episode, which is all about whether size matters. I want to read you a little bit about Sergio so you're familiar with him before we start the episode. And then I'm going to share with you a little bit about what you're going to learn and what we're going to discuss in this episode. So let's talk a little bit about Sergio Zapata. Growing up in an evangelical Christian household bound to scriptures and dogmas of a strict patriarchy, Sergio broke through it all to create a life of his own where he could deconstruct his faith and develop self-acceptance, not just as a gay man, but as a human. In search of truth and clarity, he continued his education in the field of architecture in New York City, where he found a home and a way of life for him to thrive and develop a sense of self. Now an architect, transforming living spaces as his formal career, he also dedicates his time in the study of mysticism, religion, shamanism, self-development, and wisdom seeking. In this chat with Sergio, we're going to discuss the degree to which these sex position labels, top, bottom, verse, are empowering or limiting our sex life. We're going to chat about whether these positions are something we're born with or not, and whether they're fluid. We're going to talk about ways of exploring our sexual preferences beyond these labels. We'll discuss the interplay between these positions and masculine and feminine energies. And I'm also going to share a very candid story of how I negotiated my relationship to my sexual position preference. Let me remind you that this is a conversation we're having with you. So we want to have a back and forth communication with your insights, with your comments. So make sure to send us a DM on Instagram at George Lizos and at Sergio Zero Zapata. 
with your insights and your comments, and you can find all the relevant details in the show notes of this episode. So lock the doors, lower the blinds, fire up the smoke machine, put on your heels, and let's get this party started. When I decided to do this podcast, I'm like, okay, who do I bring on? You are the first person who popped up. And the reason is I've always been inspired by your Instagram, by how willing you are to share so much of yourself online and to be unapologetic about your spirituality, your sexuality, yourself. And the reason I'm making this, uh, this statement right now is because I am not that liberated when it comes to sharing like every part of me online. I've niched myself down to a very specific spiritual niche and I've been sharing that for the past, I don't know, 10 years now. So when I decided to do this podcast, which is very different from what I've been doing so far, I'm like, I feel, feel very self-conscious about it because this is another 10% of, of who I am that I've never shared before. So I looked up to you for inspiration, actually. So thank you for being you. Oh, thank you for those kind words. <laughs> and officially welcome to the podcast. And I'm so excited. Today we'll be chatting about whether our sexual positions being bottom top verse are limiting us in the in the gay community. And before we start the conversation, we're going to talk about whether it's limiting us and how we can start exploring those labels a little bit more. I want to share a little bit the story behind this, which is the story, my personal sexual story that inspired this podcast in the first place. So my entire life, I, well, my entire sexual life, I identified as a bottom. So for many years, that's what I was doing. For the past six years, I hadn't allowed myself to have penetrative anal sex. The reason being, I went through some kind of sexual trauma, I'm going to have an episode about that where I forced myself to have sex when I didn't want to, to the point that I just didn't want to do it anymore. So for six years, I basically re-virginized myself. <laughs> I just stuck to oral sex and I'm like, no, I don't want to do any anal sex. Two years ago, I decided finally to go to like trauma therapy and I worked with uh, another gay therapist who helped me deal with my trauma and get comfortable with my sexuality again. And here we are two years later, I'm like, I'm finally ready to enjoy penetrative sex. So the first guy I manifest was huge. And I'm saying, I'm talking about, <laughs> it was like a mountain was coming at me. I went from zero to a hundred. One hundred. So, so we went, we go to have sex and I'm like, I can't do this. Like physically, like right. I am re-virginized. Like you would fuck me to death. I, there's no way. <laughs> I am not ready for this. I, can't I am take not this. ready for this. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I, I let go. We didn't do anything. Next guy I manifest who I'm willing to open myself up to perfectly manageable size, but I was bruised from the previous guy. <laughs> <laughs> who we so you weren't all that with. virgin. <laughs> well, I, well, we didn't actually have sex, but like we played, and that right. still managed to bruise me. So we, I, I ended up going to have sex with that second guy, who I was willing to receive it, and then there I was, like so much in pain because I was bruised from the previous guy. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. I really want this, but I can't. I like it hurts so much because I was bruised. And in that mm -hmm. moment, I just started feeling very disappointed with myself. I'm like, here I am 
Six years later, I did my trauma therapy. I'm ready and willing. I'm putting myself out there. And mm -hmm. yet I can't do it. And in that moment, I started like self-loathing myself and criticizing myself yeah. and all of yeah. that. And of course, uh, the erection goes down and I'm not feeling it anymore. And then I'm like, you know what, George, just be open to see what comes up. And in that moment, I realized, oh my goodness, the universe probably consciously prevented me from bottoming for a reason. I'm like, okay, let me be creative here. By the way, the other guy was a pure top. That's how he identified, and I identified as a pure bottom. That's and probably, I'm like, yeah, that's what he was telling you, okay. <laughs> yes. And I'm yeah. like, are you willing to let me top you? And he's like, what do you mean willing? I'm like, well, I've never done this before. <laughs> like, I've literally never tried this before. He's like, why not? And Sergio, I topped him. And not only did I manage to do so, I loved it. And then I'm like, <laughs> first of all, I was having like, pan like no, not panic attack. I was like shocked at myself. I'm like, what is Who happening am I? here? <laughs> am, am I? What? Why am I doing this? It feels so like unfamiliar. Why am I enjoying this? Why am I still like like have a hard on like what is happening to me right. and at the end of it i'm like oh my goodness i am not bottom and this is when it hit me for my entire life i prevented myself from experiencing topping and exploring my sexuality and finding who i was for so many reasons for so many limiting beliefs that we're gonna get to and that's when i realized oh my goodness how many guys probably put themselves into these stereotypical boxes and remain uh -huh. in that box for whatever reason for so yeah. long, not yeah. giving themselves permission to explore their sexualities. I wonder how many guys feel the same way. And that's why I decided to do this podcast, to challenge certain stereotypes, to give ourselves permission to explore our sexuality, to heal, to, to grow and to see where this can take us. Okay, before wow. we get into it, mm -hmm. I want to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, first of all, it, you you dropped a big load on us. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> uh, well, all the pun intended. Um, <laughs> um, because, I mean, we're really diving in re real quick into this. And to the essence of the story, I, I think you you nailed that we, as, as gay men, many times we put ourselves in boxes. And this comes from a rooted societal way of doing things as as a as a as a whole as as humanity. We always have to put a label to things, and that starts to take a toll in every aspect of our lives, whether it is through work, through family, through a role that we take on within communities, our jobs, and including our sex life. And What's very interesting, and and I was while I was meditating through this com through the conversations and 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 just thinking about the topic itself, it comes to mind that a lot of the times we put ourselves in a position to be adapting dynamics of the heterosexual world into homosexual dynamics. You know, yes. so I have to either be the bottom or the top because in straight couples there's always the one that receives and the one that takes and that level of intimacy does not necessarily translate to homosexual relationships i mean it's not it's not it's not gonna happen you are it's two men it's two women 
there is if there's two men, there is no woman involved. Yes, so, it's undefinable. Undefinable. So it's it's it. You put yourself in a box because of what we have been taught from very young age, right? And then when you start deglossing and exploring, and and I commend you for being open to to the experience and say okay, if this is not working, let me see what else I can do. And then you realize, oh, actually, I have a dig between my legs. Yes. This actually works. <laughs> <laughs> this thing actually works. <laughs> you know? But what? It, then, it, and then at that moment, you have to make your, an analysis of yourself. of Why was I limiting myself to the act of just bottoming when I am a man and a man biologically has a penis that gets hard and you can actually use it to create pleasure not for yourself but put to the other person and also the guy who also come in with the level of judgment of himself saying i am only a top baby you turn around real quick let me tell you that much <laughs> you know? and and loved it by the way and loved, <laughs> loved it. it i mean come on in, I mean, that, in, the, in the moment we both realized he's not a top and i'm not a bottom and we were both first yeah, exactly. So like, why, why, why did we come in with these and into the experience with labels and, and judgments? And, and it goes into like this self shame, because there is a, a fear of actually becoming active and a fear of actually becoming allowing yourself to be, I don't like to use the word dominated, but more of um, a receiver. Yes, right. So depending on your trauma depending on where you are in your life and your sexuality you come in with these fears these taboos these ideas in your mind of this is what i can give this is how much i can provide into this experience and then you realize that when you're in the experience you're like actually no i can i can do more than this yes yeah. when you're in it when you're present and when you allow yourself to let of all your history go and all your experience go and you take this opportunity while you are having sex with someone to be in the present moment and you surrender you let go of that resistance and that identity that self-perceived identity of who i am or who i mm -hmm. learned to be that's Indeed. when yes because we learn to identify a certain way. When we let that go, then we give ourselves permission to, to experience something more. And I love that you talked about how in society in general, we society expects us to niche ourselves down. It's what I was telling you in the beginning, like in the spiritual community in business, we have mm -hmm. to find our niche and we have to stick to that niche and identify as that niche. And for, for many years, I identified myself with this spiritual persona that of course is an authentic part of myself, but not all of myself. Right. Right. So in the same way, as soon as we're born, we're assigned a gender and we're placed into gendered boxes. Oh, it's a boy. It's a girl. And then with that comes certain clothes, certain colors, certain interests that we're expected or not expected to have. Mm -hmm. Even now, like I'm in drama school and I had a, a music class and we were like dividing songs among us. And the teacher is like, I'm like, can I, can I please see, sing this song? He's like, no, no, that's, that's a female song. And I'm like, songs don't have genders. <laughs> what do you mean? But it's right. those expectations that we have to fit into certain right. boxes. And then yeah. we're conditioned to live with labors and are encouraged to define our identity 
and stick to that identity. Like when we're kids, people tell us, what do you want to be when you grow up? So from a very young age, we're forced to choose what our identity is going to be. And I'm like, I want to be this and I want to be this and I want to be and I want to be so many things. So it's so true what you what you said that society expects us to niche ourselves down. And when I was thinking about, okay, what are the reasons that I stuck to this label for so long? Another reason I found out for me is the very sex oriented nature of the gay community. Because I remember when I first came out as gay and I entered into this community and I went through my coming out phase, I almost took my own life before I managed to accept myself. I'm like, okay, now I'm taking on this new label, this new identity. I'm gay. So let's see what the other gays are doing. And Mm -hmm. what I was seeing was sex, 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 sex. So there was a lot of peer pressure that I felt from the community in general or from my perception of that community to have sex. And you're on Grinder. Everybody asks you, are you top or a bottom? So, and you can't yeah, really... Yeah, that's, pro- that's, that's like the first question. Yeah. So you, you can't really progress with a conversation unless you give a satisfying answer. If you say, I don't know, you're going to get blocked. So you're forced to give an answer. So because my first experience was bottoming and because of this pressure, I stuck to that label and that label stayed with me for so long. I'm 32 years old. (laughs) So for like more than 15 years, I've identified with this label. I go back to the same idea of like, we are trying to create the dynamics that we've seen in in the world. And mostly it's heterosexual into homosexual relationships and, and placing that label and pushing ourselves to actually, you know, say we are this, we are blank. We do it all the time. And as a community, as a whole, Words matter, but at the same time, by placing so much meaning to the word itself, you are limiting who you are, right? So we're the first ones to be placing labels at everything, LGBTQ plus and all the letters in the world that you can imagine, right? And that already says that we we need to put a label, but we have to define things. We are creating a new vocabulary at the same time. But is that vocabulary going to define who you are? It's just part of of the person, you know, when it comes to sex, it's fascinating to see the interplay in in online dating, right? Of of Oh, let's talk about dating. Yes. And to ourselves on 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 social media. I mean, I don't anymore because I'm clearly married, but I've 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 seen it. I've, I've lived it. You know, that part is also very reflective of where we are as a community and as gay men you know you talked about how people are you know the the first thing that you see about the community is that they have to have sex the amount of nymphomaniacs out in this community is crazy there's no human being in the world has more sex than probably a gay man i agree (laughs) I mean, it is, it's a way of expressing and releasing that energy of so much that we carry from the traumas, from the shame, from all these things that have bounded us to express ourselves through an, a sexual act. I was, I was having a conversation with a friend and he told me, George, we're, we've been trying, we are trying as a community so much to break out of this label and become accepted, essentially, and be seen 
just like everybody else and mm -hmm. yet we put ourselves into that those labels <laughs> like right. top bottom etc et and i feel you talked about the dating apps and uh, dating online i feel that the dating community online the dating apps etc they're not really helping with helping us explore our sexual identities because if you think about like almost all the dating apps out there it's al they're algorithmic and categorical they're increasingly losing their humanity and intimacy. It's not geared towards making an authentic connection and getting mm -hmm. to know each other and exploring the, the different facets of each and every person. Like, if you think about it, every single person is an entire universe. But when you go online, it's all about categorizing yourself into tribes, into sexual positions, into whatever it is. We're turning three-dimensional people into two-dimensional personas on a dating mm -hmm. profiles mm -hmm. with a heavily um, altered pictures on, on some occasions yeah. and expecting to use this information to create real authentic sexual or different types of relationships so i believe that because of that as well we don't get to share our authentic self but rather a carefully curated persona of that self yeah. essentially our sexual self that results in limitations as to who we are in bed and who we are as people in general like so many times i've chatted with people on grinder for example or other dating apps and then i've met them in real life and they are extensions of that app in the sense that they don't share who they are they don't mm -hmm. they don't have intricate conversations yeah. they stick to that two-dimensional persona yeah well here here's the thing it's been many years already that these apps are out in the market right it's been probably more than 10 years at this point that online dating has become a thing i mean more than 10 years at least whatever it is but i've i've come to to understand and come to terms with these these apps from the my life the lived experience and also from the experience of many of my friends and we have to accept that that dynamic that happens in 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 dating apps is that and that yes. you have to just say okay it's never going to change yes it is a quick fix right yes. it's not a dating app it's a sex app you need to find see it for what it is and call it whatever you want but in reality, these apps are formulated in the way that we 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 use we we have used them as the community. They are for quick fix for dump and go, like I like to say, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not going to create a, anything deeper than that. I'm not going to say this is the exception. There's plenty of couples that have met on Grinder that have met on 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 Tinder, and it can happen. But the possibility of you finding your soulmate through a dating app it's very very low because the intention of it is gone through just being able to have a sexual connection and then what happens when you present yourself as this two-dimensional figure that you have mentioned when you actually present yourself physically you tend to still show yourself that same way because it's the first impression you created so in order to break that wall and actually go deeper into a, a deeper connection as a human being, you have to really be aware that you want to go deeper. And that it's one of or the, or the other is probably already detached from the idea.
because that's just the way the nature of these apps. That being said, I, I go between what you're just saying and also, oh, it's just a tool and you can get to use the tool in whichever way makes sense for you. And I've been through period, I've, I've had a love and hate relationship with dating apps. Like once I'm like in it and I'm in it for sex and sometimes I'm in it for relationships and I have clear boundaries and specifications as to who I chat mm -hmm. to and who I don't. I gotta say that in the times that I've used it consciously for dating and relationships, good things came out of it. My best friend, I went, I, I met from a grinder date <laughs> and we've been yeah. best friends for the past five years. Another gay best friend of mine, I also met in another dating app. So good things have come out of it for me, but I think what's important is what we're doing right now. We're having a conversation about it and mm -hmm. we are becoming aware of how these apps are functioning and therefore yeah. how we can use them because it's not about like bashing on the apps and bashing on the gay community. It's about having conversations about it and being conscious mm -hmm. of the tools we're using so that we're the ones using them rather than being used by them. Right. Well, the thing is that we are actually as a whole kind of just making this shit up as we go because this is new. I mean, relatively new because I just mentioned how old they were. But the idea of how we connect in these days. Yes. It's relatively new. We're making it up. This is not something that has been, you know, through centuries of, oh, this is the way that gay men connect. You know, e even before it was all underground people, you were in hiding, you had, you know, social clubs to meet other gay men in, you know, brothels that are, you know, hidden from from society. But now that everything is so open, it's it's how how do we behave around these things? And then you start all of these things are reflections of us, you know, in some sort of way. So you start seeing how the the relationship between these apps and how you present yourself to the world are happening. And then you you have to learn on how for how it works for, to, for you and what good things you can pull from and understand that these are the nature of things and not necessarily bash them because grinders not going to go away, you know, meeting people at bars. It's not going to go away. Yes. You know, want the desire for connecting it's never gonna go <laughs> you know so how do we navigate how do we actually put ourselves in a position where we can grow from it be protected have a good time you know and get a good fuck if you need it you know exactly uh, and and i feel like being conscious about how it all works and having these conversations is definitely helping in helping us navigate this and, and using those tools whether they are social tools, going to bars or cruising areas or going to, uh, I don't know, the sauna or being in an app, how are we using this to, to help us get what we want in the moment, whether it is a one-night relationship or whether it is a long-term relationship. What I've also found, and I was doing some research around like scientific facts around this as well, and the research that has been, has been done around this, is the degree to which dick size and dick shaming in general plays in our sexual position roles and here's i'm going to read something that i that i found from a research that was done and it said not surprisingly many gay guys allow the size of their dicks to determine their usually lifelong sexual positions guys with a smaller endowment are known to bottom more than those with a larger one vice versa and what's interesting is that it's their perceived 
size that determines how they define. And that perceived size, the word perceived is really important here because we're going to talk about it in, a, in the next episode where we're going to talk about like sizes in general and whether it matters or not. But the average size, according to research, is between uh, four to five and a half inches, which is around 14 to 15 centimeters. But we are exposed to so much porn where they choose the 3% of the guys who are eight inches and more and therefore 20 centimeters and more. And therefore our perception of what is big and what is small is very screwed. <laughs> yep. So we may be actually like bigger, but consider ourselves to be small and therefore put ourselves into a certain kind of role, a sexual position mm -hmm. because of that. It's kind of tricky because personally, I, I've never really experienced the, the shame around sizes you know yes it, it's really how you rock the boat <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so um when when we talk about the dick shaming or anything that has to do with with that aspect it it goes it boils down to me with the confidence of the person you know yes. there's they they are there it is it is seen that most men that probably believe themselves to have a smaller dick they think that they are bottoms it's hard for me to understand it <laughs> you know and and i feel like it's not until now like you mentioned that size the size the the larger the dick the you know the hotter it is because before you know people didn't have the access to the social media of seeing as much dick as we put there it's flashed on our faces every single it's day everywhere yeah i mean you go on instagram and you follow the pages and the people who have the most followers the people who haven't they're all like wearing their thongs and their dicks yeah. are all the way to their knees you yeah. know so it's like we're obviously fully bombarded with ideas of like every you know these men are huge but the truth is that it's not that's not the reality that's a a, a high percentage of people who are just being you know pedestaled it's tricky. I mean, for me, just understanding the idea of 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 the dick shaming, I I don't, I haven't really experienced that. So yes. it's kind of a very subjective thing for every single person, and how where your confidence is. I have definitely experienced that, but not from others, from myself. But and I and when I start from what you said, it depends like for, on on the person and what they've been through and the trauma they've been through. So if I think back on my life. I'm generally a person that's very perfectionistic. And from a very yeah. young age, I had this need of, I need to be approved and accepted by people. And my way of doing so was people pleasing. So changing myself to fit into other people's stereotypes. So it's partly my temperament and my personality that I want to be perfect and I want to look a certain way. So this comparison started from a very young age in every single area of my life, including dick size, for example, or like comparing myself, like my body to other guys, etc. And I've heard from so many guys or I've, I see so many guys um, on Grindr or when we date where they are very conscious about that area because of what the expectations that we see out yeah. there and the expectations, by the way, as we said, they are very skewed in the sense that what's what's popular, what's pedestaled is mm -hmm. the exception to the rule rather than the average or quote unquote exactly normal right. size out there. So which creates like more unrealistic standards creating more self-comparison 
and then more dick shaming or self dick shaming again on Maybe because Grindr. there's 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 even people out there that just find someone to have a small penis to be hot there's something kinky exactly. about that you know exactly in 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 a perspective you know someone especially like if you're you like the idea of your bottom having a small a small dick it's the preference everybody likes yes. things differently and and not just that i feel like we can go even deeper with the uh, spiritual aspect of these things that the energy that comes with the person hmm. will say more than actually the physicality of what it is because some people are you know get more attracted to, to the fact of what they provide as a whole and that comes with also getting to know the person obviously we've seen we're, we're kind of dabbling around the idea of like superficial encounters when you do meet somebody and you have a connection with them spiritually it doesn't matter what they have it's completely you. different it's it's completely irrelevant you yeah. know because all of a sudden you like that person for who they are and for the energy that they exude exude and that translates even to if you're willing to have anal or be the person to actual to be the top or the bottom because of going back to that conversation energetically you know you as as the top you're basically having a more of a masculine energy energy and then as the bottom you are a recipient by default be making it feminine which doesn't mean that it's exclusive to it you know because there is definitely a bottom that can take control a power bottom yes. like they like to yes. call them right so all of a sudden you're talking about a dominant bottom which has more of a masculine energy yes. that's controlling a very submissive kind of top so the energies kind of fluctuate and in essence bottoming does have a more of a feminine aspect to it and topping has a more masculine aspect to it but it's not exclusive to what they are you know because you're you're talking about like two men right there's no it, it has nothing to do with like being woman or female um, men or or or, uh, or women it's just the energies that happen at that moment and how you decide to release that energy you know you can have the biggest ceo of a company big boss whatever and all of a sudden at night he loves his dominatrix because he loses control of that yes of he, that someone is controlling him because his life is controlling the world yes <laughs> i can know? definitely i can definitely relate to what you're saying like uh, partly the reason i for the most part enjoyed and still do like being um like receiving <clears throat> is because in my life and in my work i'm so in control <laughs> mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. i do want to like let go sometimes yeah. so let's talk about the spiritual component i like uh, where this conversation is going around the spirituality of things because yes we've talked a lot about the superficiality of it but when you get to know the other person and you get into a relationship it's a whole different ball game you stop caring so much about okay this guy's a bottom i don't like this i don't like that about them and you start caring more about okay who is this person that mm -hmm. that is this whole three-dimensional person that has a personality that has energy that I'm, I'm making a spiritual soul connection with let's see where this takes us so let's talk about the degree to which these positions top bottom verse and preferences are something we're born with or not and that's where we go into the uh, the spirituality of the energies partly from my perspective and that's partly what you shared as well 
we ha- we all have like masculine and feminine energies within us that keep on fluctuating and they change and they ebb and flow. And I want to talk a little bit about, first of all, the distinctions between sex, gender, sexual orientation and energy, because whenever I talk about masculine and feminine energy, people get confused. So right. we have sex that is biological. We have gender that is more social, how you identify. We have our sexual orientation, LGBTQIA+. And then we have energy, masculine and feminine energy that exists within all of them, within sex, within gender, Mm -hmm. within sexual orientations. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, yes, some people have more masculine energy within them. Some people have more feminine energy within them and that manifests in different ways. But at the same time, I believe that, that they ebb and flow. So sometimes someone can be more masculine in their energy and sometimes they can be more feminine in their energy. Yes, one could be more dominant, but it doesn't mean that it won't change to the other side. Like me, for example, I've been expressing that feminine energy side of me for so long. And then all of a sudden it shifted towards more of a masculine side. And it was in that moment that I gave myself permission in that moment to accept that. What do you Mm -hmm. think about that? I think that this is an exploration, you know, because it stems from the perspective of where we have been pigeonholed from early on in our life, you know, by the labels, like we mentioned, it's an exploration of sexuality. Because I don't, I don't, I'm not born saying, Oh, I'm a bottom or I'm a top. That's, that's, I don't believe that to be a thing. You know, you, you explore that you figure that out in, in different ways, what works for you best, what works, what doesn't work for you. You know, there is a, a period in, in your life where you might be more prone to one position or the other because of the energy that you're carrying at that time. You know, sometimes you feel like you want to be taken over and sometimes you want to take over. It's allowing yourself for these energies to move around within you and start to become more comfortable with who you are. And this happens as you grow and as you grow as a person, as you grow spiritual, as you grow in, in, in education, because a lot of the times it's just we're just uneducated that we actually have the ability to do certain things. Yes, we're oblivious to these to the to the possibility, you know, and then you add the component of your partner. What kind of energy is your partner giving? Because if your partner brings out of you a more masculine energy, you have a tendency to take a specific role, regardless of what that is in in, in the bed and sex. If your partner is offering you a more feminine, you probably compensate with a masculine because this, and this happens without us even seeing it. It's like, it's the yin and yang. There is a, a way in which we are able to kind of meet each other halfway. If you do have a connection with this person, right? It's not always compatible, but if you do have a connection that's compatible with this person, you find a way to be able to stand up to the occasion and yes. provide what you also feel like it's necessary and desirable and sexy to you. So it's not exclusive to because the first years of my relationships, most of them, I was dating tops. And then all of a sudden it flipped after a period of my life where, you know, I started dating bottoms. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, I found Paul and then that carries its own, its own um, dynamic. Yes. Right. Which it could be, you know, whatever it is, depending on what the counterpart is offering and what you are offering us as, as, as a person 
and energetically where you are at that time. It's very interesting to take into consideration the energetics because we have an aura, we have an energy that we project out into the world. And whenever we come, whenever we interact with someone in whichever way, but especially in a sexual way, because we share so much, we share so many, so much of an exchange of energy in that moment, mm -hmm. I feel that our energy shifts and changes and adjusts to that person. It's exactly what you shared. Like from an energetic standpoint as well, there is this exchange of energy and this alchemy of bodies, this alchemy of energy that changes in a specific way. But you know what? I'm just realizing this right now. Like, I teach this content, meaning I teach energy healing and cleansing and all of that. But when it comes to sex, I've never allowed myself to think about it from this energetic spiritual perspective. Because we, we're not conditioned <laughs> to think I mean, about at, sex at as spiritual. Moment, yeah. At, at that moment, you, you start thinking about Tantra, you know, when you start yeah. connecting the, the, the energetical aspect of the sexual practice. <laughs> yes. You, know, you, you, you have to... Put it in the same perspective and when you have that connection you start to even enjoy yourself more yes. right because you uh, you don't put the label to it and then all of a sudden you have this knowing that my energy is it's an exchange it's an exchange of energy regardless of the nature of the position you know you are exchanging energy with this person and allowing it to be what it needs to be Oh my God, I've just had a huge epiphany around this right now because I'm realizing that the reason, the primary reason why I haven't allowed myself to explore that part of myself has to do with the shame around what gay sex is. Again, it comes from conditioning, from religion, mm -hmm. growing up as Christian, being conditioned yeah. to think that gay sex is bad. Gay sex mm -hmm. is is for an abomination. Yeah. And even though I've grown past that, I've, I've written about it, I've talked about it, some part of me seems to have still believed that for a long yes. while. And therefore, yes. whenever I would have sex, it would be something that was wrong that mm -hmm. I was doing because I enjoyed. But now that I bring in the spiritual perspective and the energetics into it, it makes so much more sense how it is yeah. this exchange is dance between two people. Some of these thoughts and these beliefs that are so deeply rooted in us, they may never go away. Yes. And, and they might never you know, transmute into just, oh, you know, I'm just openly sexual with whatever, like whatever it is, because we are conditioned. And I, I and to the point where we equate sex and shame almost the same. And even there's pleasure within the two. Yes. Because there's a lot of uh, the and this doesn't happen necessarily for homosexual relationships. This happens in heterosexual relationships yeah. as well. You know, it's always been said you can't have sex before marriage. So it doesn't matter if it's gay or straight, you know, yeah. all of a sudden we're we're still outside of a marital relationship having and doing making an act that is going to condemn you. That being said, sex is somehow connected in a society to shame. And there's a pleasure also in doing it in hiding because there's a thrill. So all yes. of a sudden it becomes like this, this very I, scorpion like <laughs> adrenaline rushing right, right, of rushing of having to do these things because it's taboo because it's forbidden yeah and that goes to show that we want to as humans we want to tap into the darker side of who we are mm. and that's what i mean that it might never that might never go away that fear that those thoughts of of shame because 
by doing that, you're like allowing yourself to, by acting on, upon these things, you're allowing yourself to tap into a darker side, which doesn't, if you consciously know that it's not dark, I mean, it's just a yeah. way of expressing that. You kind of make peace with the idea of it's it's not really wrong. I'm just being able to like get really dirty and nasty in yes. a controlled, safe environment. Yes. You know, because it's all about the that that having that control or letting go of control in a controlled setting in a controlled setting it, even, you know even people like to put themselves in uncontrolled settings but that's a whole different conversation <laughs> that's a whole different conversation <laughs> different episode which i'm sure we're going to have but yeah. it, it just reminded me of even let's go back to ancient greece right now because i'm a practicing like a priest to mm -hmm. the ancient greek tradition and paganism dionysus the god of sex and letting go and wine and all of that was considered to be a new god who was contrasted to apollo so apollo was all about order and behaving yourself mm -hmm. and structure and harmony and basically living in cities and, and living as like uh, civil human beings. And then Dionysus is the exact opposite. It's letting go, embracing your primal nature, having sex, reaching ecstatic states and dancing and connecting with that primal sense of you. So there was this contrast even in, ancient, in the ancient times between that part of ourselves that is orderly and proper and that part of ourselves that we shouldn't forget either, that is primal, that is all about connecting to the human nature and how do we find balance between the two so i think right. i mean this, this takes us into a whole different topic but it's interesting to uh to consider that this these conversations have been had for thousands of years <laughs> thousands of years we're just it's in a different setting it's in a different timeline it's in a different you know with different tools yes yes but it's it's essentially the same thing in in the dabbling between the good and the bad of our own nature you know yes Be like I said, I don't think that that idea of doing something forbidden is ever going to leave the desire and nature of human beings because we are we have the capability of both. It's just you kind of accepting that it is possible without having to go to that extent. Yes. Or just knowing or accepting your own fears of going a little bit further. And being Not aware of them. Are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. problem. <laughs> Just know? being aware, being aware of, of and not denying that shadow part of ourselves and knowing that this part mm -hmm. of, our, of myself that I've shamed is, is no longer something to be, to be shameful of. It's of a course. part of myself and I'm embracing it. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's talk a little bit about some ways that we can give ourselves permission to explore our sexuality beyond these stereotypes. What are some ways that you think someone who's finding themselves right now in a position where they're realizing, oh my God, I've been limiting myself. I want to explore more, but I don't know how. How would you go about it? Well, I, I, I'm a big proponent of like touching yourself, <laughs> you know, if you yeah. need to, right? like you need to be able to know what, what would be the right thing or hey, there's, there's, there's something powerful about imagination, you yes. know, you know, human beings have this capability of, of imagining things. And if you do have a spiritual practice within the meditation itself, you can give yourself into an idea of what it would feel like to be in certain positions, you know, let loose within yourself within a space that if you're on your own, you can 
at least know that this that you can do such thing whatever it is whether it's bottoming or topping so there's that and then there's also just putting yourself in a position where your boundary might be able to be pushed a little bit yes experimenting essentially experimenting. with your partners with your with your partners or i always like to put this in a form of like put on a mask you know take on this energy of this is not who I am. I'm just going to say that I am something else. Yes. You know, and, and play the role and fake it for yourself. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah. If that's something, is that, if that's where you are in your, in, in, in your journey as someone who might be single, you know, if you're partnered, you know, allow yourself to give yourself to your partner in a and different communicate, way. communicate, right. What you like, or what you don't like, or what you are able to, how far you're willing to go. So those are some of the ways that I would think that it will help us break these these labels yeah. and, and putting taking away the label and just recognizing that you're a human being that has energetical points that could be tapped into to release because it's all about releasing. It's, it's all, all about, about releasing. Yeah, it's all about releasing that that energy we're trying to let go. You know, especially for men, because we actually, you know, come. There's something that comes. Yeah. Like there's a physical thing that comes out. Of course, for women too. I mean, I'm not gonna deny. You know, there's the the female ejaculation. Ejaculation. Yeah. Ejaculation for men. It is the releasing of that energy. Yes, and um, I love that you talked about imagination because for me, because I'm visual, something that I've in retrospect realized could have guided me to explore that part of me a little bit more was porn. And what I enjoy watching, for example, because when, when, when I look now retrospectively at what I enjoy watching when it comes to porn, I'm like, it's, it's mostly like me being top rather than me being mm -hmm. bottom. And I've never allowed myself to explore how that... Uh, interest and that imagination that I am getting out of it could have uh, showed up in real life. Yeah. And also, what really shifted it for me was surrendering in the moment and realizing, you know what, this isn't working. I'm open to seeing what more can come out of this, literally, <laughs> pun intended. What more can <laughs> come out of this? <laughs> so being yeah. in the present moment and letting go of my perceived identity of who I am in bed, had allowed me in the moment to be like, you know what, would you be willing to let me try something new? So that, mm -hmm. that surrendering and being in the present moment and letting go of that identity, what I think you said, like wearing a mask, like taking on a different identity is, is so freeing and liberating and gives you permission to go beyond and explore exactly. who you are. Correct. Correct. Oh my goodness. Sergio, thank you so much for being such an amazing guest and having such an amazing conversation with me on the first ever episode of can't host the podcast of course <laughs> yes. sergio will be back for the next episode all about whether size matters and i'm so excited to continue this conversation thank you all so much for listening make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed it and make sure to send us what you think about the podcast on instagram you can find sergio at um you can find me on instagram at sergio zero zapata and i am at george lizos as well thank you for tuning in if you have any insights or a story to share message me on instagram at george lizos and tell me all about it i would love to hear from you <laughs>